0: Welcome to the very first episode of the Strip Sports Daily Delivery Podcast. I am Michael Rand. I am excited to be here. This podcast is a long time in the making. If you are here right now, thank you for listening. You probably know what we're up to if you're already here, but uh, let me just give you a quick rundown, 30 minutes every weekday. Should be up around 8 a.m. every day for your listening pleasure. We'll cover all sorts of sports topics in the uh, Minnesota and national landscape. I'll do an interview every day with uh, Star Tribune guests, typically, but also a lot of outside guests. And we'll have a lot of fun because I've got some uh, some good segments cooked up for you as well. The first one is called, What Did I Miss?, Here we go with that right off the bat. If you did not turn on your TV after 7 o'clock or so Sunday night, you missed two pretty important wins for Minnesota teams, including, first and foremost, the Wild. They got tons of guys injured or out. Uh, Otherwise, Marcus Foligno uh, on the COVID list, Kevin Fiala serving a suspension, Matt Dumba out, Uh, Johansson out. So many guys uh, not playing. They'd just gotten smoked by Colorado uh, right you know earlier the the day before Colorado good team Zach Parise just praising them up and down Wilds down in this game um you know late um they, they rally get the tying goal presov gets uh you know tons of tons of good work in the zone uh, Victor Rask gets paid and then Jonas Brodeen scores the game winner and swears on live tv after the game we're not going to play that clip because we don't need to get shut down a minute into uh, this podcast but uh just a, a huge win in the context of, you know, they're going to see Colorado four times in a row. They're going to see him eight times this year. Probably the best team they're going to see in this kind of weird COVID schedule. Um, and to, to at least prove they belong on the same ice, I would say, was a, was a big deal. Let's hear a little clip from uh, from Dean Evason after the game. The players gave us great confidence, and if if I – um you know exuded that it was because of the group i mean they they felt the confidence and uh you know they were um instilled that in us as a staff and and yeah we were excited about tonight's game we were excited about the challenge also sunday night the timberwolves won a game um which is news this season in and of itself but i would say the manner in which they won was even more important anthony edwards 23 points, stuffs the stat sheet with a bunch of rebounds, assists, um, you know, and more maybe more importantly than the outcome for him was that he looked comfortable doing it. He looked like he had a plan. He looked like he was comfortable in in the offense. Again, he's a 19-year-old rookie. Um, you know, this is going to be a, a long process for him. We'll get into that more Later this week, I'm gonna have Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, who covers the Timberwolves, on uh, later this week. I think on Wednesday probably, and we'll get we'll do more wild talk uh, tomorrow when Sarah McClellan is on. Uh, She covers the team for the Star Tribune as well. But you know, Anthony Edwards, it's gonna be a long haul for him, and it hasn't looked really smooth early on. I, I like his game, but it you know the efficiency just hasn't been there so far this season. So for him to have a game like that against Cleveland, you know, a team that is you know not a great team but it would be a playoff team in the east and there's another one of my that's my pet project um some of my very best friends are probably laughing at me right now because uh i i'm always getting mad that the wolves aren't in the eastern conference because i think they should be over in the east and they have an easier path to the playoffs at the very least if they were over there but uh you know it's 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 just one of those things where you know edwards it's going to be a long haul for him and it, it was good to see him have a game like that where he was able to uh, to to live up to his full capabilities. So the Wolves get that win 109-104, and they will play Cleveland right away again uh, Monday night. And I would be remiss if I did not bring up probably the biggest talker of the weekend, Matthew Stafford, traded to the Rams for Jared Goff. Jared Goff going back to uh, Detroit in that trade along with two first round picks I still haven't fully formulated an opinion about who won this trade I think it's complicated you know anytime you get two first round picks you got to feel pretty good about yourself and you know strangely enough you know Stafford and Goff had pretty similar stats the last four seasons uh, obviously one of them had Sean McVeigh and a whole bunch of really good players around him that would be Jared Goff and one of them Matthew Stafford did not in the uh, dysfunctional Detroit organization. But, you know, I, I, I'm all, I I'm all about all-in moves, and I usually think the the team that, that got the best player won the trade. I just I don't know if Matthew Stafford is the guy you go all-in for. And so we're going to find out a little bit more about that as time goes on. Is he the guy that can get the Rams to the Super Bowl, or is this, you know, a, a good quarterback who they just made a massive overpay for? If I had to guess... I'm gonna guess it's the latter. I still think that was probably, you know, uh, it's probably a move that works for both teams. It could really backfire for both teams as well. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, senior assistant sports editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com/slash subscribe. You know, at the very least, the Stafford trade gives me a great, nice, natural segue into my first interview segment of the entire podcast. Which I should, I should say, I am attempting the the classic, um, you know, under promise, over deliver here. I only hope this is maybe the third or fourth greatest podcast of all time. So that, that's where my <clears throat> that's where my goals are set right now. I don't want to promise too much. As, as we move forward here. But it does set up nicely for the first interview segment with uh, the Star Tribune's Mark Craig. We get to talk a whole lot about quarterbacks, about the Super Bowl, and kind of the Vikings approach as it pertains to all that. Well, I am thrilled to be joined on this very first episode of Strip Sports Daily Delivery by Mark Craig. Veteran NFL writer. He's covered a ton of Super Bowls, uh, covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Mark, how you doing? First off.
1: Going well. You're starting at the bottom, huh? Working <laughs> start,
0: start at the top, man. It's Super Bowl weekend. And who knows more about the Super Bowl than you do, I think. Um, let's I want to get into two subjects in particular that you know, aside from being relevant to an interesting Super Bowl matchup, maybe have some, some Vikings relevance uh, as well. Um, the idea on a lot of these interview segments is that we'll try to go deep uh, on some, some interesting subjects, maybe throw a little bit of data at you, uh, Mike Zimmer's favorite thing, pro football focus, things like that. Um, let, let's talk about the quarterbacks in this game first. Um, and, you know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, you couldn't really find – Two bigger extremes in terms of age, at least, and maybe in terms of style. What, what do you? Maybe, let, let's get your your thoughts on the matchup, and then I'll get into a little bit of you know, kind of how how quarterback has evolved, and, and are the Vikings on the right track re- relative to how how teams seem to be building a, a Super Bowl caliber team around a quarterback. So first off, your thoughts on this matchup in particular?
1: Oh, yeah, I love the matchup. It's old versus new. It's I'm doing a story on uh, for Sunday's paper. I talked to Brad Johnson, a classic pocket passer that won a Super Bowl, hard to believe, now 18 years ago. But if you look at the 21 Super Bowls that have been played this millennium, uh, 19 have been won by what you would call a pocket passer. And uh, you had Russell Wilson, um, and then you had Mahomes last year. And now here's Mahomes going for two in a row. It's kind of, you know, is it the last stand for the pocket passer with Brady, who's been hawking him? He's going for his seventh Super Bowl win. Playing in his tenth Super Bowl, it's just incredible uh, how he's playing. Um, so you look at it, it's a great. I love the matchup. I also like the you know the defense you know, matchup. You know, um, you look at how the defense played. Uh, the Bucks defense played on Sunday. You, know, they did, if they didn't play that well, you know Brady's not going to this Super Bowl. So it's not just all Brady.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a that's a good point. That you know I think as much as we like to pin. You know the Super Bowl fortunes and, and talk about quarterback Super Bowl record. There, there, it's it's you know even though it's the most important position on the field and maybe in all of all of organized team sports, it, it is more than that. Tom Brady throws three interceptions in the you know, three on consecutive possessions in the NFC title game, and they still are able to make enough stops to uh, to to beat the Packers and another very good quarterback in uh, in Aaron Rodgers in, in that game. F- philosophically, you know, you mentioned kind of. Pocket passers being the the norm in, um, in in these Super Bowl victories. One other thing that I think we've that has been established, in particular in the last decade, in this kind of era of um, ever since they instituted kind of the, the rookie wage scale, is a lot of teams that make the Super Bowl either have you know kind of a an un, unquestioned you know no doubt Hall of Fame quarterback like a Tom Brady. An Aaron Rodgers, a Drew Brees, um, you know, we, could, we could list a lot of different ones, or they have a, you know, young quarterback who maybe, you know, is, is good enough early on to, to be a starter, but who then, you know, because he's inexpensive, allows you to do certain things with your salary cap that, that you might not otherwise be able to do. And there's been a couple other, you know, there's been a couple exceptions, you know, your, your Eli Manning's, you know, your other your other examples along the way, but most of all, this mostly this is the the path that has been chosen, and you see that with both these teams, Mahomes still, you know, Kansas City still living off that that rookie deal for Mahomes, and you know Brady being you know one of the greatest of all times. Do you do you agree with the 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 idea that that is kind of the those are the two main paths to modern you know, success, at least when it, term, when it comes to how you build around a quarterback to get to the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's and uh, these guys, they, you know, they cover a lot, of, a lot of mistakes. You can have a, like we'll see, like with Mahomes' case, uh, you know, Mike Remmers will probably be paying left tackle. I mean, the quarterback has so much to do with how, the, you know, the protection. Um, they can just make a lot of bad things go away. Uh, now, you know, uh, Mahomes, I'm not sure where he was on his contract last year. Uh, maybe it's a situation where he's both cases. I mean, he got paid in the offseason. Uh, he's making a ton of money. Uh, <laughs> so he's young and a franchise quarterback. So he's the kind of guy that that's why I like this matchup so much. Is because and who knows, Brady might be in two or three more of these. We, we don't know. It's, uh, it's almost like uh, back when Tiger Woods was doing things. You just don't, you can't put a ceiling on it. Um, but you know, Mahomes, this could be like, you know, remember when Mahomes, because Mahomes may go on and win eight of these. Uh this that's why I love this matchup. But yeah, t- typically, um if you if you have a great young quarterback, that's the that's the dream because you can you know you can stockpile, maybe win a Super Bowl, get that in your pocket, and then when it's time to pay him, you pay him and you you're playing with house money. So yeah, that's uh there's a lot of ways to do it, but you you need I think you need the quarterback um,
0: to also work within your system. Now the Vikings have tried to to do that. You know they've drafted quarterbacks over the years with hopes that they would become that franchise quarterback. Whether it's you know Dante Culpepper 20 years ago, or you know more recently Christian Ponder and then Teddy Bridgewater. And you know for reasons of performance and injury, those things don't necessarily always work out. In the case of the Vikings, they they didn't work out. They're on now. You know, and, and going to enter year four uh, almost assuredly of, of the Kirk Cousins era. He's kind of in the middle, right? He he's not that future Hall of Famer. He was, I think everybody would would agree, he's an above average quarterback, but not in that kind of Aaron Rodgers first tier of quarterbacks. Ken, are the Vikings on the right path with Kirk Cousins to to realize this ultimate goal of of winning a Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, you know, that's, that's such a hard question. But With, with Kirk, I think um, he's more um, – and you're right, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not a lot of those guys. But they're paying that way. Um, I think when you look at the quarterbacks like in this game, um, one the biggest difference I see in, in – uh, you know, Kirk's obviously more of a pocket passer, but he's, he's, an a, he's a little bit uh, athletic. But what I see is the difference, the biggest difference is that the, the brains of Patrick Mahomes and, Pete, uh, and, and Tom Brady – move at a faster pace than what, how Kirk and guys that are in that second tier, third tier, whatever process things. So these guys are processing things. If Tom Brady may, he starts, you know, typically in the shotgun, he's five yards back. He goes to nine yards, steps up. And when he steps up to eight yards, it's gone. I mean, it's, whether it's out, whether it's to the check down, whether it's deep, short, whatever, he makes that decision. Boom, boom, boom. Whereas a Kirk cousins, there's a second hitch. There's a third hitch. And by the time he gets two and a half hitches, he's down. And, and a lot of times he's, he, he lose the ball. So uh, to me, he's not a guy that really moves outside the pocket. They did some of that stuff with him. Uh, There would always seem to be a free runner at him too many times. So the biggest difference between a guy, the guy, the great ones and the ones that are good and good passers are they process things so much faster. And, you, know, you can help a Kirk Cousins or someone that's on that second tier to maybe, uh, process things quicker by having continuity, which the Vikings haven't had in their, their systems, uh, their players, I should say. So, yeah, it's, um, that's, um, that's a problem whenever you're talking about a Cousins as a compared to the, the great
0: one. Yeah, that's, so it's, uh, that's kind of the conundrum the Vikings face as they, you know, they've they've kind of been on this on again, off again. Make the playoff. They've never been really bad in the Mike Zimmer era. They, you know, they've always won at least seven games. They've always, you know, at least after that first year, they've been in contention to a certain degree. I think the the quarterback question is is a good one, and I think it'll still be, you know, I think as you watch this Super Bowl, you know, on Sunday, you'll you'll see, you know, the. You know the kind of the the kind of what ifs. The what if the Vikings, you know, had a, a different you know approach or could you know hit that home run you know, with the with the Patrick Mahomes. But that's that's easier said than done. Uh, no yeah, th- no doubt about it.
1: I think that they can win with a Kirk Cousins. They just need the 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 margin for error is so error is so much smaller when you don't have the Patrick Mahomes, the Pey- Peyton Manning's, the the Tom Brady's. Um, but even those guys need. You know they need for their entire defense not to get injured. They need uh, the ability to run the ball. They don't need necessarily need to lead the league in rushing, but if you look at the, yeah. at the Chiefs, um, you know they went out. And they, their first round draft pick was a running back. They they have the ability to run the ball. They uh, that regular season game against the Bills, 245 yards when everybody was expecting a shootout. They ran on the Chief, or the Bills. Um, you know Mahomes himself is the threat
0: of Mahomes running. Mm-hmm is kind of a running game uh, that people have to be aware. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought up the running game because that transitions into the second subject I want to really hit on in our time here. You know, the Vikings in the running game and, you know, their commitment to it has almost become a, a Twitter meme, you know, establish the run. Um, you know, I think if there's a criticism of, of this offense, which was a good, really good offense in 2020, it was a top 10 offense in a lot of different ways, whether it's, An analytic based measure or more of a you know a raw yardage or or point scored measure Um, but these two Super Bowl teams don't run all that much I think they ranked like 23rd and 29th in total carries this year and I want to one stat I want to put put on you is is this one it's the I think if there's a maybe a, a more fair nuanced criticism of of how the Vikings operate it's Second and ten this year, the Vikings ran the ball forty-four percent of the time, which is the second most in the NFL. Tampa Bay and Kansas City ran it basically half that time—twenty-four percent, twenty-three percent. You know, among the top three, fewest in football. Those are from Sharp Football. What do you what do you make of the kind of running game, you know, chatter in general, and, and how the Vikings approach um, approach trying to win games offensively?
1: You know, I mean, part of them throwing the ball probably or running the ball at forty-four percent there is, you know, they're maybe they're looking to get a first down in two plays as opposed to a Mahomes or you know they're going to make magic and get twenty-seven yards down the field on on second down. Um, they don't I mean Kirk Cousins in third and long is a is a bad situation, and and I think with the, the their running game, you know, you can argue about the style all you want, but you know, uh, with Dalvin Cook, you know, third and third and four or third and five you know is is uh, they're okay with that Whereas, opposed to third and 10 if you know and then it's basically a punt a lot of times with with the way Kirk uh, plays but yeah I, I mean it's there's just so much that uh, you look at a team it's the it's team sport it's not just you got to kind of take into what your quarterback's like uh you know what your defense is like uh, you know the Vikings this year that defense was destroyed by injury yeah. and and Basically their window to win it all was last year and they couldn't do it. And once that happened, you know, we for whatever reason, I think I picked them nine and seven. A lot of people picked them nine and seven to make the playoffs. We just thought that, you know, they would find a way, but with the not having offseason, um we
0: should have seen that this was just a gonna be a rebuild. And then when the injuries hit, it was over. Offensively, do you think their philosophy or their kind of the limitation, what you described, I think, I think that was a good point. You, you're, you're only you, – a lot of what you do is dictated by your personnel. Is that more of a Cousins thing or an offensive line thing or, or a combination thereof where they, they trust certain things more than other things uh, in terms of how they would call plays and set things up?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, they were such a, um, an unusual team offensively. I, they just had long stretches where and, – and a lot of this I, I would put on, on Cousins – at the end of games, uh, you know, maybe the Tennessee game, Dallas, there were some games that were at the end, they got Chicago too. Yeah. with a beat up defense, with a, a limited, uh, maybe a limited offense. Um, they got to the end of games where it just cried out for the quarterback to be a quick decision maker, make, make plays. And there were, there were some endings where we, we all kind of sat around and looked at each other and said, that's it. You know, it's like, now. <laughs> It's just not what we're used to seeing in the NFL, especially when they had the abilities offensively to play. You'd see them do things, uh, play action, and where they were such a good rhythm, and then it would just disappear. And I, you know, I can't help but sometimes put that on the quarterback because he's the leader of, of what they have, and and there were just stretches where, the, the offense would disappear, and it just begged to like, hey, you know, you have to carry this team, and it it just would go away, but yet. They were a, you know, statistically and there were stretches where, you know, they were fantastic between uh, what they could do with Dalvin and in the play action and with Jefferson stepping up as a great yeah. player. Uh, it's there, but they're they going to need they need a full team. They cannot be carried by the quarterback at this. Point.
0: Awesome. Mark Craig, thank you so much for uh, for joining the program today. And we will uh, we will be in touch down the road. OK. Great, right, Thanks. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Mark, as usual, and, uh, you know, just a really thoughtful discussion about quarterbacks and where everything is headed with the Vikings and presumably, you know, with with Kirk Cousins over the next, you know, several years. Uh, Well, uh oh, wait, what's this? What am I hearing right now? When you hear that sound on this podcast, it is because I feel like a trade machine. Um, now, the sound you heard, it was a beautiful little uh, piano ditty from local musician Trevor Wogan. He, he made me a note-for-note copy, first off, uh, from a, a segment from a James Brown song, uh, Get Up, Feel Like a Sex Machine, that uh, we were, became a little concerned that that could get Uh, run into some legal issues so I told him hey sorry you did a great job that's not going to work he made me that in like five minutes he was like hey try this and I was like this is awesome like so for all of your piano and uh guitar needs uh Trevor Wogan um awesome awesome job by him to to do that you'll hear that periodically I don't feel like a trade machine a lot and I I didn't want to get sucked into this one I I feel like I got sucked into this whole Deshaun Watson story three different ways uh, in the last week. I was trying to avoid it. I was trying to be like, no, this doesn't pertain to the Vikings. There's no way they're going to trade Kirk Cousins. But three things got me back in. First, Deshaun Watson last week saying he wants a trade. Okay, so you go from this is a possibility, this is a a guy that's unhappy, to all of a sudden here's a guy who wants a trade. Number two, uh, Bill Barnwell at ESPN puts out a list about Deshaun Watson, teams he could be traded to and one of them, you know, in the in the 17 possibilities he lists the Vikings at number 10. They got to give up three first round picks for him. So that's the trade. Essentially, three team trade. I think he got the Patriots in the mix too, so we'll see about that. And then the Stafford trade happened. That was the third thing that kind of pushed me over the edge and made me think, okay, this has to be a segment on Monday. Um if Matthew Stafford can get traded, I know he wanted to get traded, but if, if there can be a blockbuster of that sorts and Kirk Cousins is a very similar quarterback to Matthew Stafford. I don't I don't care if you disagree, it's true. They're they're kind of the same guy statistically. Um you know, neither one of them has has won at a big level, um but the team probably think, you know, surrounding with the right people, good things can happen. So I, I didn't want to go there but but here we are and you know so you know i want to get into the barnwell thing a little bit because usually usually in the trade machine when i do this segment with various teams I'll, I'll be coming up with my own trade but barnwell did this all on on his own so you know this is this is what he thinks um basically the the price would be if the vikings were going to go after deshaun watson like a reasonable price he's saying The 14th and 90th overall picks this year, so that's a, what, a first and a third, plus a first-rounder in 2022, a first-rounder in 2023, and Kirk Cousins gets traded to the Patriots. The Texans get Deshaun Watson and a fourth-round pick. The Texans give Deshaun Watson and a fourth-round pick to the Vikings. Patriots give up a fifth-round pick, a couple fifth-round picks, and then Jarrett Stedman to the the Texans. So, um, basically, I don't know. I... I like this is the kind of the same, a little bit of a similar question I had to the, the the Matthew Stafford trade in that is Deshaun Watson the guy? And Plenty of people think he is the guy, so I'm not saying he's not the guy. But I I you know you look at it, he's going to get expensive soon. Um, you know we talked about in the you know with Mark Craig we talked about value with the quarterback being such a big deal about the you know rookie contracts being such a big deal. I do worry that uh, that that he would you know that for as good as he is, he's not a Patrick Mahomes. If you are adding him into this mix, are you just recreating the same problem you have right now with Kirk Cousins, which is that you're going to be paying him a lot of money soon, and you're not going to have the assets to build around him because you're giving up a whole bunch of first round picks, and your offensive line is already still a mess. So if I would you know if I was going to make a trade of this type, I think I would almost rather, if you were able to trade Kirk Cousins and get some kind of major value for him, like a Matthew Stafford fetch, say if you were able to just get a first round pick for Kirk Cousins, which I don't think is outrageous, right? I don't think that's outrageous at all because... Sam Bradford, uh, the Vikings, you know, Vikings were desperate, but the Vikings traded a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. Like, these, these things happen. Like, teams want a quarterback, they value somebody, and Kirk Cousins has had good seasons. Um, this isn't a guy you're just trying to unload or a guy that's old. So if they did that, I would rather see them try to draft a quarterback this year, move up as high as you can to get one of those top quarterbacks in the draft, because that is where the the franchise value is it's a young quarterback who you think can be good right away and is not making a whole lot of money because then you 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 know you're not paying him big bucks you can you can then afford to build around him with the with the salary cap so the deshaun watson trade maybe it's plausible i don't know if it's their best idea um in, in in the big picture uh but but you know what I wrote about this last week and I got some I got a, a few emails from fans and one of them was one of them was good it was just like why are you writing about this this would be cool this would be fun and I'm like you know you're right it would be cool it would be fun like it people who watch these games you know just in people who are fans and just watch these games that that I, I tend to forget sometimes that the entertainment value and just the fact that something new is exciting i tend to forget about that so if it's a 50 50 ball and you can you can go one way or the other maybe that is the the way to go just just do it and see what happens so I don't know. I don't think anything's going to happen anyway. I think it's a lot of a lot of late January, early February chatter for for nothing, um, filling the void before the Super Bowl. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going anywhere, but I am more curious about this than I was a week ago. Now, one of the fun things about this podcast is that I'm going to do a segment pretty much every day, um, different segments, but different uh, different ways of getting feedback from you. The listener and today's way I'm going to do that is a little segment I call infrequently asked questions. So that's k- kind of what it sounds like, right? It's, it's, you know, what do you have something kind of weird on your mind, because I got a lot of things that are weird on my mind, a lot of times. Um, ask me that question, ask me that sports question, and I will try to answer it. The first one today comes from uh, my friend Dana Wessel. He hit me up on Twitter when I asked for these questions. Everybody had the same opportunity. I'm not playing favorites, but I liked his question, and he was kind enough to actually send it in via audio. So here's that question.
1: Uh, Hello there. Uh, Long-time reader, first-time podcast question asker guy. Uh, I was wondering, you know, with all the issues that U.S. Bank Stadium has of falling apart and the siding doesn't stay up, do you ever just miss The Metrodome, even more specifically, just that musty, stale beer
0: and urine smell of the Metrodome. Uh, Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Okay, so three things about that. One, yes, I do miss it in a way. I think it's a weird thing to say because Target Field is such a nicer ballpark to watch the Twins. It was absolutely soul-crushing to go into the Metrodome on a beautiful summer night. Um, and spend three to four hours in this kind of cave. It's almost like you know going to your basement instead of spending time outside. We we wait all this time for summer, and then you go inside to the Metrodome. Um, but a place is more than just you know the the environment. It's the memories, right? So you have a lot of good memories for the Metrodome. So obviously you're going to miss it in a certain way. I don't know if the smell that he references is the thing that I specifically miss. But maybe it maybe that's kind of part of what you remember about the Metro. It's a it's an overall experience. I I'll always remember, you know, getting ninety nine dollar Viking season tickets with uh with my friend Rocket, you know, back in the nineties when it was obstructed view and we were like dodging the beams up in the upper deck. Like those those are memories. Like, you know, watching the last place Twins teams, six thousand fans were were there. But it's you know, it's kind of fun when When you're the only one there so yes dana in a way i do miss the metrodome maybe just maybe the smell is a tiny piece of it all right let's end with a little segment i like to call the cooler something to hopefully make you feel smarter you know it's kind of geared around the water cooler at work maybe many of you aren't around a water cooler at work right now uh because a lot of us are working from home myself included but you know something hopefully to give you something to think about spin it forward a little bit So, I want to talk for just briefly about the Minnesota Lynx. Today is the day that free agents can officially start signing. Looks like three pretty good ones are going to sign with the Lynx, as we learned last week, including All Star guard Caleb McBride. I just want to, you know, this is a team that lost a lot of its championship core, right? Um, You know, Maya Moore, you know, leaves the game to, to pursue much loftier goals. Um, Lindsey Whalen retires. You know Simone Augustus no longer with the team. Like the 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 big big pieces from from a lot of those championship those four championship teams leave. How do you reload when you've been really good? Well, you become a model organization that t- that players want to sign with in the off season and. You draft the back-to-back rookies of the year with the number six and the number sixteen picks, which never happens in the WNBA. Nafisa Collier and uh, Crystal Dangerfield, the last two seasons. So, just in praise of this organization, what it's been able to do. Watch for those signings today, and uh, watch out for the Lynx because they are—you know—they were a, f- a team that made the—you the, know—the the league semifinals already last season. They're only getting better right now, and I feel like. You know they're, they're kind of loaded up again for, for what could be a championship team. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the very first episode of Strip Sports Daily Delivery. We'll be back at it tomorrow, like I said, with Sarah McClellan, uh, who covers the Wild and a ton of other fun stuff. Who knows what is yet to unfold in the next 24 hours. <music>